Hello, everyone, and welcome to a sporting discussion, talking sports of all sorts, a special show this week. Uh, we're going to be joined by Dr. Alan Pierce, but enough of that. We'll talk about that a little bit later. I'm AJ Mithen, joined by the wonderful Andrew Johnson. Andrew, how are you today? Tip top. Thank you, AJ. I am hopeful that my internet in this room is as stable as it was last week as opposed to when I tried to be in a different room with a, a little bit better background. But, hey, that's all right. I might that's find life. myself a virtual background and put myself in an, in the crowd at the MCG or something. Stick a poster of Michael holding up behind you or something. That can work. I can do that. I can do that. Yeah. We can do that. Um, now, remember... So, if, if yeah, you, AJ, uh, we, we... Or you go. Um, remember, if you are watching live, we need to hear from you. So put a comment or a... Uh, response to the Facebook or Twitter posts. We're going live on at ASD underscore radio or facebook.com, a sporting discussion, but you already knew that. If you're listening to the audio version, that's what we need there. So we'd love to hear from you anytime you want to. Uh, get us on Twitter at ASD underscore radio or facebook.com slash a sporting discussion. We're keen for the comments, questions, suggestions, anything you want about the sporting topics you want to get stuck into. Now, Andrew, sorry, I just need to get that spiel out of the road. No, important stuff. I'm more than happy for for you to to spruik the things that I often forget and neglect. But it's it's very important <laughs> at ASD underscore radio. Time to talk about the big stuff from the last probably oh, five, ten years. Yeah. Um, and that is concussion. And for that, we are going to pray to pray to whatever deity you've got nearby uh, that this works. And we're going to add Dr. Alan Pearson to the stream. Alan, can you hear us? How are you going? Seems to be working. Hi, guys. Perfect. Uh, how are you today? Yeah, going all right. Going all right. It's uh, been a, uh, a funny day, weather-wise, rain and everything in the morning, I think it was. And yeah, but uh, yeah, it's been it's been good. Been good. Now, we're glad to have you here. You remember we spoke to you briefly, um, or we had you in for a session when we were hosting um, Triple R. Uh, summer season and um, we wanted to get you back on because uh, a hell of a lot is different now <laughs> in the world of concussion uh, isn't it oh well I was just thinking back I think was it beginning of 2018 or back, beginning of 2019 that I came in to triple R and so you know there has been a, a hell of a lot since uh, since then um, you know uh, I think that just preceded uh, our announcement of the first case of CTE in an Australian football player with Polypharma. Uh, and then we had the tragic cases of, of Danny Frawley and uh, Shane Tuck since then. So, <clears throat> um, and, the, and then obviously, you know, the AFL have changed their position on, on timeout after a concussion. Uh, NRL have done that uh, similarly as well for, you know, 12 and 11 days after a concussion respectively, um, and, um, yeah, it, it seems to be almost every week there's a story somewhere on, on concussion in sport. Yeah. Um, one of the things we'll, we'll, we'll dig into that a little bit deeper, just put a pin into that one, but for people who don't know um, and who, who may think they understand because I know we thought we understood um, yeah. when we spoke to you first, but what actually is a concussion? What's involved when you get a concussion? Well, a concussion in its simplest form is, is a transient or temporary um, disruption 
of uh, brain function. And usually it, it needs to be preceded by a, uh, you know, an impact to either that directly to the head that, uh, or, or indirectly that causes a uh, uh, force that gets transmitted to the head that then moves the tissue inside uh, to a point where the, the brain cells or the neurons are not able to work. And that's what you then see as the, as the signs and symptoms. So they could be, and there's a whole range, you know, that uh, includes uh, dizziness, confusion, nausea, uh, aggression, um, uh, balance. Um, what else is there? Uh, slurring of words, short-term memory loss, um, depression, anxiety. Sometimes you see players getting very anxious about what's going on, um, or they get very depressed. And, and there are, you know, stories of, of players breaking down and crying as a result of that. So there's both. We call it a a, a, a spectrum or a, or a constellation of, of signs and symptoms associated with that. And, and not, you know, it's not uh, the same for every person. So, you know, everyone can react a slightly different way as well. So that makes it, you know, even a little bit trickier to understand. But generally speaking, it's it's following an impact and uh, it's it's a disruption of, of uh, brain function. Sure. Now we've, you may have noticed we've just lost Andrew because the uh, air conditioned room couldn't handle the technology, um, but we will power on and he will drop back in when he can. Um, one of the things that uh, we spoke about when we first, um, when we first met was the, uh, the supposed mild concussion. Oh yes. Now this is, this is a thing. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is one of the things that we see a lot when uh, team when an athlete is injured, let's say yeah. an AFL player is injured, and then the team will put out they have a mild concussion, they will be back. Yeah. Yeah. Can you just can you just rebut that again? I know we've asked you to do that a few times. <laughs> yeah, and and I, I still do get a bit uh, you know angsty on on Twitter for when people use that sort of terminology because there really is no such thing as a mild, moderate, or severe concussion. And the reason for that is that they used to actually have a grading system for concussion um, and they called it the CAT2 system and, and uh, you know, it was stage uh, stage one, stage two, stage three for increasing of, of severity. But the problem lied in the fact that when someone was pro- supposedly mildly concussed, the idea was that they would be back fairly quickly, but it became very apparent that um, that wasn't the case and, and some people can get a light knock to the head, and I'll, I'll, we might touch on that at some point too, the whole knock thing. Um, mm. But, um, <clears throat> you know, people can, you know, can get a, a supposedly just a, a, you know, a very light impact to the head and they can be out for months and then someone like a Joel Selwood, for example, can run through walls uh, and appear to be quite all right within a couple of days. And so there was no correlation to to the mild, moderate or severe um, terminologies. Uh, sometimes people will say that their their symptoms are more you know severe, but again, they're not good indicators of uh, you know the the actual concussion, which is a brain injury. Let's be honest. Yeah, Andrew, were you back? We got you. Yes, yes. Thank right, you. I, I was just having <laughs> some minor technical issues, but um, my my telephone is much better than my iPad, and I'm good. So uh, I, I think I've sort of come in at the I think I know where I've come in and might sort of go into the 
like the recovery, if that's the the right word for it, because we've seen a lot of talk in the the AFL recently about the twelve day concussion protocol, so requiring to to rest for twelve days after having uh, been diagnosed with a concussion. Yeah, I guess the the big one is how does someone recover from a concussion, and is it different based on the individual and their past history yeah okay so <clears throat> not not a very easy quick <laughs> <laughs> but uh look but the short answer to you uh dono is the fact that it is an individual recovery so no two people will generally recover at the same rate now the reason for that is because when you do get an impact to the brain uh there it releases a, a bunch of chemicals uh they could be chemicals uh, that help the brain uh, function, but they can also be chemicals between two brain cells at a, what we call a synapse, and, and those chemicals are called neurotransmitters, and they help the, the brain cells um, you know, talk to each other. So they're released into, into, the, into the wider environment, um, and, that, and, they, and they all sort of get released at different rates, and they, and they clear at different rates as well. So it's, uh, it's not something that is quite simply a, a very homogenous recovery rate. And so some people can recover relatively quickly, uh, but others can recover, uh, you know, takes, takes weeks and weeks. Now, when we talk about recovery, at the moment we're, we're talking about symptom recovery. So, you know, a, a doctor will look at a, an athlete or, or an individual and really base their clinical decision on symptom resolution so if you if you've uh, been concussed you go and see your doctor the doctor will run you through you know check your symptoms they might run a couple of uh you know basic memory tests but essentially what they're trying to do is say look you know you've got headaches no um you're feeling dizzy no do you feel nauseous when you run or when you exercise no okay well pretty much i think you're, you're, you're pretty right to go back <clears throat> but we don't really know if that's actually the you know the right time to return and, and what we're seeing in the physiological uh, research spaces where I sit uh, is that symptoms might take, you know, 10 or 12 or 14 days to recover. It used to be 7 to 10, but now we're, you know, people are now questioning that. Um, But what we're seeing, you know, in the research around the world, it might take up to close to 30 days before the brain is fully recovered, even though the person might not have any symptoms. Oh, that leads me to, sorry, Andrew, that leads me to a question we got from um, Brett Logan, which has come through uh, on the facebook.com slash sporting discussion. There's another spruke. Um, and he's asking about um, Will Pukowski, who has yep. received what's believed to be his 10th concussion uh, recently. And Brett is asking for your thoughts on the long-term playing future. We know you can't go into specifics and all yeah. that, but your thoughts on the long-term playing future of someone like Will Pukowski and what another significant hit to the head with a cricket ball will likely mean. Now, do we take that to mean it could be anything? Because he seems to be recovering well in between all of these concussions. Yeah. So this, I mean, as, as you said, I've, I've never met, for the record, I've never met Will. I've never assessed Will. Um, doesn't mean that the invitation's not there. But um, <clears throat> what we do know from the science is that um, <clears throat> uh, I hope my microphone's all right because it's starting to rain. No, we got you. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> um, <clears throat> the, um, what we know from the science is that with every subsequent concussion, recovery takes longer. And 
the threshold, if I could use that term, for the amount of impact to bring on concussion um, gets lower. So we see a lowering of that threshold and a lengthening of time uh, to recover as well. And we don't, we don't really know why. And we just think it's something to do with the vulnerability of the brain cells or the neurons with every uh, subsequent concussion. And that's something that we're trying to you know, understand and find out. Um, given the history of, of, you know, players like Will and, and there's others, obviously, with multiple, multiple concussions, whether a player retires is very individual again as well and it, it really requires, you know, a number of people to assess and make their professional decisions. Um, but obviously with, with the length of time that takes for every subsequent concussion, that's a factor that, you know, we, we need to consider the, the long-term uh, consequences here, possibly not around the whole CTE thing, um, <clears throat> which we can touch on <clears throat> if you want, but most more so for the risk of post-concussion syndrome or persistent post-concussion symptoms. So, I've had I've done some research where people have come in and they've been having symptoms for 12, 15 months, eighteen months, two years oh, after wow. their concussion. Yeah, and so you know that whole seven to ten day thing doesn't necessarily sort of uh, you know coming to the equation for these people, they've got ongoing symptoms for months and months, possibly years. And one of the things that, you know, I've sort of seen is that the their history of their prior concussions seems to be a potential indicator of why they're getting post-concussion syndrome. So that's why they've got to manage Will uh, very carefully because his risk of, of post-concussion syndrome does increase. And you talk, Alan, about the, the ongoing and it's not just 7 to 10 to 12 days, it can be longer. So AFL player Paddy McCartan, there was a, a harrowing interview with him on Triple M, I think last year or possibly even the year before, talking about how he was feeling after his most recent one, which had put him out for quite a while. And and the the last concussion, uh, I believe, that he got in playing an AFL game wasn't necessarily a, a traditional knock to the head. He was running back with a flight of the ball and someone cl- uh, sort of like impacted from behind. So it was a bit of a whiplash issue. Yeah. And so that, that obviously goes to show, and you probably mentioned this uh, at the start, that it's not just your a clash of heads or, or a head knock. There are a whole range of other things. We've seen Ash Gardner in the cricket. She was fielding and uh, diving for the ball and a bit of a like, head, head knock, whiplash caused that concussion. I've, yeah. I, I've, I've asked you in, in my role as um, uh, assistant coach at a junior football level around any research that you have on helmets and the efficacy or otherwise of those because a couple of our players were were keen to understand a little bit more about that. So one of the questions that we got from one of our listeners and, and something that we're interested to to explore more. So Damien Telford was say, is there any form of personal protective equipment that can assist in reducing the occurrence or severity of concussion in sport? So do you want to touch on that? Sure. The short answer is no. <laughs> uh, there is no, nothing, and we've got decades of research to show that helmets, whether they're soft shell, you know, the turtle shell, or whether they're the hard helmets that they wear in the NFL, um, don't reduce the risk of a concussion. Um, they, they, their, their role really is to protect the skull bone from fractures and or lacerations. 
So, you know, I, I cycle, I road cycle, uh, you know, I wear a helmet. I would wear a helmet whether it was legal or not um, in the fact that it's protecting my skull bone from fracturing if I came off the bike onto the road. But I'm under no illusion that it would protect me from a concussion. And we keep seeing this time and time again of players wearing a helmet um, who do end up getting concussed. Um, and, and, you know, the NFL have poured oh, heaps of money into trying to improve helmet design and they haven't got any closer to uh, reducing concussions. And, you know, it sets up a whole different, um, I guess, uh, environment too when someone's wearing a helmet because either the players themselves think that they, they become a little bit more protected. So they, you know, subconsciously there may be a case of I can go in harder or I can be not as careful because I'm wearing a helmet because they, you know, the player thinks that they might get concussed. Conversely, you get, you get opposition who go, well, he or she's wearing a helmet. I'm going to go in there because they're protected again, sub- subconsciously or otherwise. Uh, and, and we know that's the case because, you know, there's been some limited study, but they have now with, with some of the new technologies of the uh, instrumented mouth guards or the, or the patch behind the ear to measure head impacts. You know, there have been some studies in, in America, again, very limited, but, uh, you know, they've compared American football with and without helmets. And uh, what they showed was that when players uh, didn't wear a helmet, there was a 10G less force on average impact to the, to the player than when they um, were wearing a helmet. So 1G is worth Earth's gravity, so 10Gs is 10 times that, that um, gravity force. So, you know, it's, it's when they're not wearing helmets, they're not actually getting hit as hard as when they are wearing helmets. So this is something that we've got to consider here. I'm interested you brought that up, Alan, because um, one of the things I'm, I've been busting to ask you for a while is the um, it's, not a, it's not a revolution against concussion. It's kind of there's a lot of uh, because there's a lot of money on the line and there's a lot of careers on the line, there's concussion mm. is starting to get maybe talked down a little bit after a few years of uh, it becoming really important. And one of the things that you touched on there, um, there was an article in the Canberra Times just this week quoting uh, former Australian cricket coach John Buchanan, who oh, yeah. was saying that he thought um, junior cricket were introducing helmets too early because it throws off kids' balance and it wrecks their technique and it makes them think that they are, um, you know, uh, unstoppable against the short ball. Um, yeah. And we've also had there was the NRL crackdown that uh, where contact with the yeah. head was met with a sin bin or a uh, send off, and again that lasted maybe two weeks before. Yes, <laughs> uh, they, they called it common sense uh, in that if someone was hit in the head and they were un, you know if they were concussed but it was accidental, then you know play on everyone's okay. Do you? Yeah. How do you combat? And plus that stupid article this week in that South African rugby. Um, <laughs> The rugby newsletter. Who wrote it? It was um, Alan Reid, who used to play uh, used to play Super Rugby, comparing a concussion with like injuring his shoulder. Um, and how do you combat that kind of you know, let's call it a meathead approach from ex players and suburban heroes and that who think that it it may, you know the game's gone soft sort yeah, of way out. Yeah. Well, I, I, the first part of your question, you know, it would. Re- have a read of some of Jeff Park's stuff in the Raw. I don't know if you've read some of his. He's a yeah, he's great. He's great. He's, yeah. he's just 
systematically pulled that apart. And his articles are just incredible. And I guess you can do that when you're an in, independent um, journalist to be able to do that. Um, <clears throat> Because there is a concern that you know there are is is, is there a you know a lot of bells and whistles uh, window dressing about this issue happening and then okay we're onto the next issue whatever that happens or we've forgotten about concussion and now you know things start to return back to normal um, you know because tick we've we've addressed the issue and then on the on the flip side you know you uh, we have we have this. I guess, yeah, a little bit of, I guess, pushback of, of the quote-unquote, you know, we signed up for this. And it's quite interesting because um, oh, I think it was about two weeks ago I I, I, uh, I had a stint on the morning show with uh, Larry and uh, Kylie. <laughs> and, uh, and, oh, name-dropping. Uh, name All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and they, they were referring to uh, Sam Burgess revealing that he was, uh, well, misdiagnosed with multiple sclerosis, but... Uh, you know, there there is a bit of a scare there with 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 Sam and and um, he was talking to to on the on that SAS program with Heath Shaw and Heath Shaw said, well, uh, you know, we've signed up for this. You know, this is what we're signed up for, and that seems to be getting used a lot more by players to say, well, you know, we we signed up for this. And and when I talk to a number of of um, you know players off off the record, I say, look, you know, you reckon you signed up for 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 you know for brain injury? And they went, no, no, we, we totally understand that we could break our, our, you know, bones, we could tear our muscles, we can do ACLs, you know, we understand the physicality, but no one no one ever warned us that this could actually impact on our brains as well. And, and we're not saying that we wouldn't play, but we, we would be a little bit more careful and if, a, if, if the coach or the trainer said, you can go back out, we may not have gone, oh, yeah, no worries, or we might have gone, I'm okay, you know, even though they can't kick the right direction and make a joke of it. They may have actually gone. Actually, no. Let me let me have a bit more time out um, in, in order to to make sure that my brain's okay. Because uh, unless you're you're in you know Carl Heyman's shoes or Alex Poppin's shoes, who's another uh, ex uh, English rugby union player who's been dement, uh, diagnosed with early onset dementia um, at 41 years of age as well, you know. You, you can't just equate it to a shoulder injury or a knee injury and, and say this is what we signed up for. So you talk there about the, 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 the leg injuries and the shoulder injuries and those sort of things. And over a whole number of years, the different sporting leagues and associations have come up with ways uh, like pre-prevention, I guess. So I know with the, the AFL, the Trobe have got their prep to play program, which we uh, roll out with our, our under-16 girls. And it's really good. It's a, an interesting way to to get people to understand that, no, we're not just doing this to, to limber up for training. We're mm-hmm. doing this to prepare you for a whole career of playing this sport now there are ways that we also teach them to protect their head so in in football it's when you're going down don't put your head down over the ball like that go in sideways use your shoulder to protect is there more work going on in the the preparation and the pre-prevention across sports or because it is the brain is it quite difficult to to do that yeah, well, certainly, you know, we're now 
people are now more aware of of uh, the issue around you know being tackled and 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 whatnot. So there's a there's a bit of work going into the biomechanics of tackling now and and what is the optimal way to tackle someone that might protect both you and the opponent from from a concussion. Um, obviously, you know, trying to be more uh, aware of the rules around that. Um, even strength training now is being talked about in terms of neck strength training, um, but there's little evidence at this stage. We've got to actually do some proper research, and, you know, that's a current theme that, you know, I keep sort of coming back to is that we do need more scientific research, and it, and it might sound like a bit of an old record, but the reality is, is that that's what we need to do. We need to do research on the best, on the most optimal tackling techniques and then how do we then teach that properly. We need to know whether doing neck strength training actually does work or not. Um, uh, we've got to look at, um, you know, what, <clears throat> when, when, yeah, what age do we start introducing tackling? Um, what age do we introduce physical contact in the in sport, you know, in terms of, you know, do we start at, at under eights or do like in over in um, England, they're no longer heading the ball until at least 12 years of age. Uh, in some parts of America, they have non-contact uh, American football until the age of 14. Um, back to England, they're now reducing the number of contacts in training at the elite level. And, and Harlequins are a really good example of that, <clears throat> where they've reduced the, the, the amount of contact in training um, and going into matches uh, less fatigued, less sort of battered from weekly training, and, and actually doing really well. Um, so there's, there's, there's so much that we still need to understand and, and find out from so many uh, different directions. But the bottom line is, is that it's a contact sport. It's a physical sport. And so concussions are going to occur anyway. And, and we've got to ex- <clears throat> at some point we've got to accept that in some way that unless you have a non-contact, you're not going to get a concussion. <laughs> um, the other part of it too is which does complicate things a little bit, is we've got to tease out concussion versus neurodegenerative disease, which is chronic traumatic encephalopathy. <clears throat> you, you don't need to get concussed, even though it's not advisable, but you don't need to get concussed to get CTE. CTE is a yeah. disease of exposure to repetitive impacts over many, many years. And you know, <clears throat> the analogy I would use is smoking. So, yeah, you might have the Havana cigar, probably not good, you cough about a bit, but if you're having a packet a week for 20 years, your risk of cancer or related cancers goes up significantly. So you might have 10 or 15 concussions, not great, got a risk of, of a, a number of things, but it, you can't compare it to 20,000, 50,000, 100,000 small hits over a 30-year career, for example. And that's that's the scary bit. <clears throat> that, um, we won't hold you for much longer. <laughs> Alison, right. we really we really love talking to you. We really appreciate that you're joining us. We've had a couple more questions come through, one from uh, Patrick Bordier and one from Joel McGregor. Now, they're kind of similar, and in that, uh, should there be a standard concussion protocol across all sports and are there any learning, I'm going to say learnings, are there any learnings from other sports that are best practice, so to speak, about how to handle uh, prevention and post-concussion protocols? Um, well, the, the second part of the question is easy, that there is no best practice anywhere because all the sports basically uh, refer to the current 
international consensus statement, the um, the all-powerful uh, concussion in sport groups consensus statement, which comes out once every four years. The, the last one was uh, meant to come out um, in 2020, but because of COVID, they've delayed the meeting, international meeting, until actually next year now. So uh, we won't get a new consensus statement uh, until probably late 2022 or maybe even early 2023. Um, but the, the last consensus statement was published in 2017. So, you know, there's been a bit of water under the bridge since then, but we're still referring to that as the, as the, as the, the benchmark. And that's still all based around symptom resolution. So uh, to answer the first part of your question, I think all the sports could actually have, a, you know, a fairly streamlined, similar um, approach to uh, assessing concussion um, because a concussion is a brain injury. It doesn't matter whether you get it on the football field, on the tennis court, in the workplace, falling down the stairs. Um, it's still a brain injury, um, a mild brain injury. So there's no reason why we can't uh, have a streamlined approach for all the sports. And that should be multimodality. So there should be obviously symptom reporting and symptom observation, but then there should also be uh, what, looking at different aspects of the of the neurological system, so looking at eyes, eye movement is a really good way of determining if someone is concussed or not, um, and also a really good way to determine if they've recovered or not. So there, there's that element that needs to be incorporated. Uh, there, there could also be some, and, and blood tests are starting to come through as well, but they're not quite there yet, um, and there's still a little bit cost. You know, they've got to do a little bit more science mm. in that. So potentially a blood test, but some have even done a saliva test as well, um, and that's on the horizon. So it needs to be a multimodality of both physiological, um, some cognitive with memory, and also um, medical, clinical with uh, symptom reporting and symptom observation. All right. We and and I a, think... Oh, sorry, you sorry, go, AJ. So one last question has come through. I think they're being witty, but we've also answered it too, and I'll whack it up there. Should I be concerned about having over a dozen concussions? Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> if, you've paying, if you've been paying attention, the answer to that is yes. <laughs> but if you, if you get concussed again, just monitor how long you're, you're recovering as well. Don't think that you're right to go back straight away. And touching on that, the monitoring and and the what you were talking about in terms of uh, potential sort of concussion protocols, the, there was a um, a new. Uh, a new venture for you that you were, I, I was actually looking forward to, to going to, to the launch in July, yes. but then COVID uh, hit and we, we couldn't yes. do that. So that's the yes. Neurosports Labs. So yes. specialised concussion-focused research and management program. Yes. Do you want to just yeah, talk to a little bit about yes. that, sort of what you're hoping to achieve, how that's all tracking? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Neurosports Labs is based in Docklands, and uh, as you said, it's it's focusing on <clears throat> concussion assessments, and then hopefully we're going to also move into rehabilitation. But you know, the, the, what we're trying to do is look at it from a physiological perspective. Um, and one of the reasons why uh, I sort of set this up is is that I've got two partners. One is uh, Andy Evans, who's an ex St Kilda list, uh, AFL listed player from the early 1990s who played with Danny Frawley and that, that was sort of the catalyst for him to really uh, sort of have a think about his, you know, legacy in this space. And the other partner is Craig Patch, who was uh, a former ARL player pre-NRL 
for the Illawarra, Illawarra Steelers and um, Sydney Tigers. Um, and we both actually worked at Latrobe together. Um, and uh, he's a, a professor of dietetics now. And so uh, between the three of us, we really want to try and, and, you know, get open up the opportunity for people to be able to be tested either, you know, after a concussion if, and if they're not sure, uh, you know, they can come and see us and then we can provide a report they can then take to their doctor. So we're not giving a medical diagnosis but rather giving a, a, a report that can help the medical doctor uh, be more confident in, in their uh, assessment. Um, but also we're, we're, we're wanting to do the baseline testing in pre-season and then if someone does get concussed, we can do that return to play uh, monitoring as well for them so that by day 12, you know, we know, they know whether they're ready to go back to start training or not. And that's that's what we're basically trying to do is uh, make it a little bit more objective, a little bit more precise, a little bit more refined uh, and and also help me keep uh, keep working in this space because I'm not a funded researcher. And that's one of the re- other reasons why I set up Neurosports Labs is because there's very little uh, money um, in concussion research um, uh, compared to, you know, America, for example. So, um, you know, uh, we, we there's a lot of unfunded researchers out here in, in Australia and, and science really needs to, uh, you know, get, get better funded in terms of, of answering these questions because I get so many questions that we just still have not yet been able to answer. You will not get more agreement at all uh, for, from, from pretty much anything from us uh, outside of, there needs to be more funding mm. for concussion uh, mm. research. Like that is just the absolute number one thing that there needs to just be money thrown into research on that because it is so important. And we've seen over over the years that people have changed their attitudes and they've gone from oh no, she'll be right. Like I've I've only had one, um, thankfully, concussion playing football, yep. but I got that in the. Second quarter, I put ice on the back of my head at halftime and I moved from centre-half forward to full forward for the, the third <laughs> quarter. And so, yeah, good as gold. Then had 14 beers afterwards. Uh, absolutely. And it still happens. That's the thing. Yeah, this it still does. Yeah. Uh, and that still happens. And that's that's a, you know, a real concern because of the lack of science going and research going into that, but also you know, translating anything that we're doing in the, in the lab, it's not getting out to the out to the coalface, to the club. So, um, you know, one of the things I want to do in 2022 is actually get out to clubs and, and do some talking and, and education and culture change. That would be amazing. And I think every, every club, every league would benefit greatly from that. So, Alan, thank you so much for joining us here again on a sporting discussion. It's always brilliant. To, to chat to you even though the the subject is is not the best uh, but it's progressing and and people yeah. are becoming more aware and and yeah so hopefully there'll be uh, some more funding coming your way where can people follow your work yeah. uh, so they can go to neurosportslabs.com uh, to check out the uh, the business uh, and on social media I'm uh, both for Twitter and Instagram is at Alan Pierce, PhD, um, yeah, for both Twitter and, and Instagram. Magnificent. Alan, thank you very much. And yeah, we look forward to speaking to you soon. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm, uh, I look forward to coming back again with some, I guess we'll have some more positive uh, progressions next time. <laughs> Spot on. Thanks again, Alan. Cheers. Cheers.
And that was Dr. Alan Pierce, Andrew. Uh, concussion fascinates me. The brain fascinates me. The, the bit that has, that really sort of, sort of made me pay attention over the, the last couple of years is the bit about what can we do? Like, is a helmet going to protect the brain? And when the, the first time that we spoke to Alan and he said, no, nah. like, mm. oh, hang on a minute. Right. That has completely changed the way that I think about the, the head knocks and concussion. And look, and it came out, I think, probably uh, in the lead up to the 2016 Olympic Games, maybe, where boxing removed the requirement for wearing a, mm. a helmet or headgear. And a couple of the reasons they said one, it reduces your peripheral vision. And secondly, it gives people that false confidence to put their head where it shouldn't be, which, as as Alan was saying, is something that still happens. But also interesting to hear him say that if you see someone with a helmet, then people are just like, oh, all right, well, I can go as hard as I want. Yeah, I'd, I'd never actually thought of that. I'd mm. never considered that, that people would see people, because I'd never done it, but yeah, I never considered that people would see someone with a helmet and then want to charge them. Bloody hell. Yeah, or, yeah. it's just that the very quick thing in your head about the, the duty of care that you've got to, to someone, you might go, oh, well, they've got a helmet, I can sling them into the ground a little bit harder, which, mm. yeah. Well, it's a, a fascinating area, and as I said to Alan, like if it needs more research, it needs more money. We've seen mm-hmm. what happens when money goes into scientific research. Things can happen very quickly, but it needs a willing governing body and it also yeah. needs willing participants and that's something which has always been a bit of a, an issue with the concussion research as well i think we're starting to get more willing participants but we are most definitely not getting more willing uh sporting bodies there's been reports commissioned by the nrl that have come out and now are casting doubt on long-term effects of concussion on memory loss and things like that so it's um is that because those people have forgotten that they had a concussion and so they're not included in the study? It's kind of a uh, – touched on it with Alan, but I didn't want to say that loud. It's some, some folks, and I'm not accusing people directly, but there's a bit of a spoiler campaign out there to talk down the effects of the long-term effects of concussion, um, you know, because there's a lot on the line. We saw over a billion Aussie dollars has been paid out in the US to um, – to, uh, players uh, for concussion and CTE um, and families and that. So it's all – It's I, I love talking to Alan. He's so good at taking, you know, such intricate things and taking it down to schlubs like ours level so we can understand what he's talking about and uh, what the big issues are. Yeah, it's brilliant. Uh, yeah, it's it's so good and great for him just, just to talk so freely about the, the work that he's doing and mm. so passionately about it as well. Yeah, so don't forget so, he's at, at Alan Pierce PhD and uh, www.neurosportslabs, it spells like it sounds, .com. Yeah, on, on Twitter he's always uh, regularly sort of posting various bits of, of research, uh, mm. which is fascinating, and also responding to, yeah, to, other, to other pieces of research. And taking down clowns who <laughs> think that it's all a bunch of nothing. Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> That might might do us for this week. Um, We will come back next week to talk cricket. Thank Rob for that message. And um, 
thank you as well to sorry the name has just got it for to Christopher Place um, who joined late and said that he enjoyed that chat with Alan Pierce. So we're glad you enjoyed it too. Um, you'll be able to hear it on the audio version of the podcast um, that you're probably listening to now if you're not watching us live. Um, if you are watching and you're not subscribed, go to anchor.fm slash a sporting discussion. But now for the proper outro, Andrew. Thanks, everybody, for, for watching and listening and tuning in. Uh, don't forget, we're at, at ASD radio, uh, ASD underscore radio on Twitter. Hey, I'm the one that's, that's meant to get that wrong. <laughs> Facebook.com slash a sporting discussion. We need your comments. We love the comments, questions, and suggestions for the sporting topics you want to get stuck into. You can also record an audio message for us now, Andrew. Did you know that? I, I did know that. I, I, I don't quite know how to do it. Um, <laughs> it's, it's slightly above my capabilities, but uh, I'm lucky that I get to, to talk directly to <laughs> the, the podcast. Mm, so basically anchor.fm slash a sporting discussion and there's an option there to leave a voice message. You can do that. Uh, we will post the link in the show notes and also we we put it out there during the week on the socials on Facebook and Twitter as well. Um, if this is your first time tuning in uh, because you wanted to hear what Alan had to say, here's the usual request. Make sure you subscribe to us on your pod- podcast platform. Uh, let your mates know about us. Uh, leave us a review if you think we're any good and worth it. Um, that's the best way for the show to work the algorithms and uh, get shown to more people. Um, through wherever you get your podcasts. Now, Andrew, uh, you are doing your sporting wrap on Triple R with the breakfasters of 7.15am on a Monday morning? That's right, 102.7 FM in Melbourne or rrr.org.au for either the live stream or if you're a real, real uh, Andrew Donison Ultra, you can listen to it on Catch Up. Uh, Are you back in the studio yet? No, will be shortly though. Will be very soon. I think post twenty four November, I'll be able to. Which actually might mean oh, yeah. that we will get a uh, end of year live broadcast at the Corner Hotel. Where imagine, imagine. Whew, that's <laughs> going to be a fun one. Yes. With everyone working uh, from home, you might get a big, big old crowd going there. Yes, yeah, and it's always, always a fun day. And once you've finished listening to me, you can flick over to ABC Central Victoria for, for AJ's spot. I use the TuneIn radio app to, to listen because that's the, the only way that my phone allows me to do it. <laughs> well, you should try the ABC Listen app as well, Andrew, or 91.1 FM uh, Victorian radio, but use the, use the Listen app. That's easy. Just choose ABC Central Victoria, 7.35 a.m. on a Monday. Bang, away you go. So that's lovely. That's all the spruiks out of the way. Uh, Thanks for tuning in this week. Really enjoyed that chat with um, Alan. I really like talking. talking He's the best. uh, Alan Pierce is the best. So that's all for now. We'll speak to you next week right here live at 8 p.m. and then on anchor.fm or your trusty podcast provider. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next week. See ya.